Hey everybody, Scott here. Before we jump right into this interview, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there that the interview that you're about to hear is reflective of the individual story and does not reflect every LGBTQIA plus individual's journey. Hopefully you enjoy this episode and thank you for listening. God is not a man God is not a white man God is not a man sitting on a cloud God cannot be bought Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stebman Podcast. My name is Scott, and today we have a very exciting episode. I am going to be interviewing a friend of mine who is uh, transgendered and just kind of have an interview, just be able to talk a little bit about um, their life and and just kind of have the dialogue and open up the conversation. So with me, I have, um, I believe it's I'm, I'm not even sure how you go by your last name now because you recently got married. So. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so introduce well, yourself. <laughs> I'm Beck Harris Medina Guess. My middle name is – my chosen middle name is Harris. And so it just makes it a little easier for people with the pronouns if people call me Harris too. So Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Well, th- well thanks for happy, have being on the show, Beck. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, kind of tell me a little bit about your uh, journey. Um, you know, a lot of times we've met through being in Northeast Ohio and the um, yeah. in church and doing church camps and stuff. And then um, it seemed like especially it seemed like once I kind of got old and phased out of camp, you know, you were going through a lot of uh, transformations yourself. So just kind of tell yeah. us a little yeah. bit about your story. Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up in the same denomination as you pretty mm-hmm. much exactly actually uh, <laughs> uh i know that we, we met through camp and everything and um i i knew that like i knew that something was a little bit different for me um since i was i think the first time that i noticed it was in, in second grade um when my mom like she had dropped me off to get my hair cut so that she could go run at some other errands. And I asked them to chop all my hair off so that I could look like a boy. And she came back and she was not very happy with the, the, <laughs> the, the hairstylist. So uh, for letting, for letting me decide, like for actually letting me choose, like get what I wanted done. And um, I, so like, I know, I know, especially to kind of relate with, um, with kind of how our stories connect, like, I, I think I went to camp the first time when I was 13, 12, 13 or something, mm-hmm. and I was I was super unsure of, I, I was just really uncomfortable being in cabins with girls. Like, I just felt wrong in a cabin with girls. I felt weird dressing or undressing around the other girls, and I always just thought it was because I was, like, raised uh, in a pastor's family where, like, it's all, like, it's very... Uh, like you grow up kind of very prude, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So like super afraid of like your body, and even if that's not quite what your family was meaning to go go for, like or teach you, you kind of are raised to be kind of a, a like like you know hide your body or whatever all the time. So um, so I thought that 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 was a lot of it. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, so I would like hide in the corner or change like really secretly in the showers or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I um, I I knew that I was also attracted to girls in high school, and um, basically I, I spent a lot of time crying and asking God to take it away from me and and hating myself and not knowing what to do about it. And uh, I came out that I. Like, I came out as bi or something um, when I was a freshman in college and just, like, trying to, uh, like, just kind of trying to stay away from it and trying to get find healing and trying to, uh, you know, like, all of these things that I was taught about um, not, like, about anyone who was not heterosexual, basically, like, 
I I needed to change. I needed to be heterosexual. Even if I had these attractions to girls, I could be straight. I could like guys. I could I could do all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I tried <laughs> for a really long time. And um, and then I was also then I just like I made some really bad decisions and was definitely like yeah I don't like dudes at all <laughs> so I must be a lesbian <laughs> and. Um, and um, and then like going on and everything like I, I I still knew that like I didn't I didn't ident- identify as lesbian like I felt weird calling myself that mm-hmm. um, I I didn't feel connected to it at all I always still felt more masculine except when um, a church that I was going to told me to embrace my femininity and it just made me hate myself more. Um, and mm. so, um, yeah, they told me that that was what was going to fix me basically or heal me and make me straight. Um, so, um, so then like as, a few years ago, I kind of was just like, I really do think that I'm trans, but I'm not going to come out until the, this person, this person and this person dies because it'll make it easier for me. Mm. Uh, because it'll also make it easier for them and they won't even have to know. And so I went on for a few years, not like, I didn't want to think that way about the people that I loved, but I also wanted to be honest and true. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to be able to live more authentically and for people to stop telling me that I would look beautiful if I just let my hair grow back out or I would, you know, they miss that, they miss me wearing dresses or, you know, all of these things um, that I, you know, I was just tired of, of living uh, such a lie. And I, and I felt so disconnected from God and from the church and from my family and my friends um, because I, I felt like I couldn't be real. I couldn't be, I couldn't tell my story. I couldn't, mm-hmm. you know. And so, uh, so I, I went to Guatemala this past year well, what, actually, when I was living in Fairbanks, I met a friend who's a trans man, and um, I just asked him if he'd get tea with me <laughs> so that could, I could hear his story. And it was like he was telling my story, like just with a few diff- like different pieces. It was my story, and um, and so then I was just like still kind of like I want to make sure that this is for sure. Like I want to be sure about this, even though I. I had known that I, I felt wrong in my body for so long and that um, I didn't identify or connect with it. Um, and so so then I moved to Guatemala to help my friend open a coffee shop and uh, and I, I was just starting to tell like to talk to my friends about it uh, down in Guatemala and um, and then I just I just was like I have to come out like I have to do it. I have to I have to do this. <laughs> And so I did, and uh, man, it was so freeing, like it was so liberating. Um, I felt like I could finally be myself. I felt like I could um, be honest with people. I felt like I could connect with God again uh, through, you know, like all of these, these practices that I felt like I needed to abandon because I would never be, I don't know, uh, straight <laughs> yeah so which I guess now being out as a trans man I am straight so <laughs> um so uh but I guess yeah it would it would it's definitely been a process and in, in trying like trying to work through things with um family and friends um, that don't quite understand mm-hmm. and um, I know that I know that it's too also a process of grieving for them that they've lost who they thought that they had, mm. even though they, they never, they've never lost, they've never lost me. Like I'm still the same person. Um, it's just that they, they've, uh, there were like, you know, like social constructs of gender that they had placed on me and they felt, they feel now as if that's gone. And I understand that. But, uh, so that's kind of where I am now and got married and she's awesome. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the. <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of the uh, 
<laughs> the transitional story. The yeah. transitional story. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. You 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 mentioned camp, and it's yeah. it's one of those things because I think there were times where because there's always and I never was one who like on one of the days of camp like usually it's like the final night of camp like everyone kind of dresses up a little bit more instead of just like t-shirt and shorts, you know, they might wear a polo and khakis. And I think there were a few times I remember you wearing a dress and I could even tell by your body language, you felt so uncomfortable. And I thought, (laughs) and, but you know, for me, not knowing any of what was going in your head, I'm thinking, well, probably not used to wearing a dress because you're just always wearing shorts and t-shirts and running around with the boys and playing sports and uh, doing all this stuff so that's just who you, that's just that's just you know that's just your personality so i just yeah you know but but now just kind of hearing that you know just you talking at the beginning of the camp story and just all that you know it's now you know it's like oh yeah i i can see that now i can see that now yeah um yeah. so when we so you know you talk a little bit about um you know, uh, doing tea, which is basically you're getting uh, testosterone into, um, and I guess what kind of tell me a little bit about the process of that. Sure. Um, so I haven't gotten to start uh, testosterone quite yet. Um, I should be able to start this coming week. But uh, basically you go to an endocrinologist or a doctor that has the ability, based upon your each state, um, has the the ability to write you a prescription for testosterone. Um, they some places want um, um, referrals from a therapist. Some places are just like, yeah, we trust you. If you're over 18, if you say that you want testosterone, we trust you. This is your life, um, and this is no like simple matter. Like, who wants to who wants to be uh, a minority on purpose? Um, and, um, so like, so it's, it, it, based on the state, it's different, but there are two different, as far as I know, two different forms of, um, getting testosterone. And one of those is injection and the other is through a gel that you rub onto your body. You can rub onto your face or like places where you would like hair to grow quicker or faster. Mm. Um, so, but basically you can't have, <laughs> you can't touch anyone for like two hours because <laughs> you'll like you'll like transmit your testosterone. <laughs> to oh, other people, okay. Or transfer your testosterone to other people. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but typically as far as what my doctor was saying, um, a lot of trans guys start with gel because it's, it's like an easy, easy start. Um, it's easier than stabbing yourself, <laughs> uh, or injecting, injecting yourself, uh, but it is a it, it's a it's a daily process instead of a like biweekly. Um, but each every few months they'll up your testosterone levels. Um, so yeah, you start with a very basic amount and it's a really slow change. It'll slowly drop your voice. Um, uh, you'll start growing hair uh, in places that you uh, women typically don't. Um, and yeah okay <laughs> all right all right so we you know when we you know because I'm, I'm trying to think like you know a lot of times when we when we kind of look at the disconnect between you know someone from the lbgt plus community and someone who's not from that community and just kind of the stereotypes that play into that you know from a biological perspective how i guess from your point of view, how you see yourself from a biological perspective, you know, how would you answer someone who may necessary who may go, well, wait a minute, if you were born, if you were born a female, then why are you going through the medical route to transform your gender, I guess? How would you, how would you answer those questions? Um, I would say, especially, well, it would definitely depend on um, the background of the person that I would be talking to, I think, um, because I know that a lot of the people who ask are coming from a, like a Christian or religious perspective, mm-hmm. um, and so it it is definitely a different uh, approach <laughs> to yeah. try to com- communicate. Uh, but biologically, there's there are so many like ebbs and flows of within 
like human biology. I mean, you have intersex people that are neither male nor female, um, and they're they're pretty common. It's not like some rare thing, you know. Like there are a lot of intersex people in the world, and um, and so to to talk about uh, to say like. Um, you know, like I believe that that God is a, is a very creative God, and I don't believe that he's a he or she or they are a binary God. Um, and uh, and so I think that a lot of I think a lot of um, I don't know. Like I think that I don't know. Like I think that gender gender is important, but it's also like not as important as we make it. Okay. And, um, so it, I, I think that it just creates like this, this, this like binary that doesn't need to be, and um, and it, it creates a di- divisions between people, and um, and uh, I, I I definitely would say that um, so much of it has to do with. Uh, I don't know. That that is that's that is one of the more difficult. Question for me, just because I don't understand all of, like I'm not, I'm definitely not a biologist or mm-hmm. or anything, but I do know, I do know about, you know, like there 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 are so many, so much variety to creation, and uh, I don't believe that that stops at humanity. Okay, okay, good. Um, that's probably a better, <laughs> yeah, briefer thing. That's that. No, that's that's good. That's good. Um, you know, I was I was thinking because um. You know, uh, there's a when I was in Ohio, in the Youngstown area out there, I was at an acting school, and one of my students is dating a, or actually is now engaged to a trans man, and I can remember just conversations and just stuff. You know, there's even a GoFundMe page to, uh, and I think this individual wasn't necessarily getting tea, even though they were on that, but really yeah. going for the full reconstruction because and kind of the thing that this person was saying was that you know they had you know they have to constrain themselves as far as like you know pushing down pushing down the top part of the female to kind of make it more flat like a man's chest and and there's so i guess and i think it's always and i guess part of where i'm kind of interested in is that there's always an evolution if you can go back from like the 70s even in in my reference points always like well what's happening in film television music because that's always kind of what the culture is going for so you can look at someone like John Waters and Divine and you can see like okay you know some people would say oh this is a trans this uh, divine would be transgendered, even though it's just someone dressing in clothing to now you're getting to the point where people are actually, and maybe it's just the process of science where now you have testosterone pills and gel where you can actually go and do these, I guess, have these modifications to be more identified with your choice of gender, I guess. So I, I guess my question is after kind of processing that is, as an individual, how far does that person take it to the next level? And I guess what are some of the restrictions mm-hmm. to taking it to, you know, the nth degree? Okay, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> sorry. So, um, like, there, there are definitely, for, for trans men, not all trans men, um, like, different people have different dysphoria, uh, body dysphoria. Um, for me... Um, my chest has always been a, a big, a big part of my dysphoria. I've always, I've, like, I think the first time I wore a real bra or whatever, like, that was actually supposed to show boobs was, I think, like, when I was going through that time of uh, trying to embrace femininity, like the church said to do. Uh, every other, like, for the rest of my, every other year of my life I, that I needed to, I was wearing a sports bra to conceal or hide as much as I could. Um, um, so the, for trans for trans men, they make binders. Um, it's a safe alternative to creating as flat of a chest as you you can until you can have top surgery. Um, and there are a couple different ways of uh, go, going through top surgery as well. Like you can like 
I don't know. I, that, that's all a whole. That's a whole medical thing that I I don't understand completely. Okay. Other than basically, they just like kind of take out the fat and like re. Like you basically get to design your chest. Oh okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's also bottom surgery um, that, um, uh, like they. So basically, I don't know how. <laughs> So, I mean, there's a lot of, so basically when you're on testosterone, uh, your clitoris gets, is enlarged and, um, they like, they can elongate it and take skin from somewhere else on your body to make, um, a penis. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so like that's, that's, that's still though a, a medical work in progress. Like they're, they're still not, it's still not like that's, that's, that's still not super far progressed. Uh, top surgery typically doesn't have any problems. Bottom surgery can just kind of go either way. But depending on how bad the trans man's dysphoria is, like they're willing to take care of it, even if it doesn't work completely right now. Okay, and um, and I guess my I guess my follow up question would be like, you know, with medical insurance and everything else, like is that type of surgery even covered by insurance or how much uh, is covered by that it really depends um and that's like that's that's why so many so many uh, people have to do gofundmes um and that's why it it is so hurtful and harmful when uh, politically uh, our insurance like insurance is uh, not good or um, not really taking care of um, more middle class or lower income people um, mm-hmm. because because it does especially um, when it has to do with um, the LGBTQ community um, when that's like a, a byline of it all um, where it's it's very deliberately like anti-LGBT mm-hmm. and um, so. It, it, that really depends on your insurance and it depends on um, what sort of community you can find um, because like the, the, the place that I the place that I go to is uh, like my appointment didn't cost anything my tea might not cost anything um, and if it, if it does it's gonna be a very little amount because they they are super like they they, they take care of each other basically okay all right all right so um so kind of talking about that, you talk a lot about, um, you know, before you can get this, you mentioned like either the doctor can approve this work biologically or you would have to be a refer or get a referral from a counselor. So why do some places want a referral from a counselor? Um, some states and all, uh, some people still believe that it's a mental illness. Okay. Um, and so they they want that uh, psychological like uh, referral, so that like basically they can be told like this person has a mental disorder and it'll be better if they get this <laughs> treatment. Okay. So that's that's some of it. Um, but also they like for for pretty much any trans person though it is recommended to have to go to therapy. Um, just, just because like, there's been a lot of, there's either been spiritual trauma, um, or relational trauma all growing up, um, by kind of being forced to be something that you're not, or, um, so they, they do want you to go to therapy. They recommend it though. Not all places require it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I know you mentioned uh, body dysphoria. Can you expound a little bit on what that is? Sure. Um, body dysphoria would just is basically like there's a part like a piece of you that you don't identify with that, that um, can't that, that isn't stimulated with sex. It's not. It just doesn't feel right on you, um, and um, it can cause severe depression, anxiety. Um, and, and yeah. Uh, a lot of people um, harm themselves um, based because of dysphoria. 
uh, because like they have boobs or they they have a part that they don't they just it's not right basically <laughs> okay and and i guess is this I'm, i guess i'm trying to think from more of a psychological perspective i i understand like looking at something and something not feeling right but i guess what are some of and you talked a little bit about anxiety and some of those feelings so i guess what's kind of the i guess what's kind of the push i guess for someone to say hey i don't like this i'm going to cause harm to my own body like like i mean i guess i'm trying to understand uh, the emotional aspect of everything sorry you cut out for for a second okay yeah you sorry oh that's fine that's okay no my question is is with body dysphoria you know kind of focus a little bit more on like the emotional aspect because i can understand you know you know some people may say like oh i'm looking at my body and i may yeah. not like like i may look in the mirror and i go right, eh, right, right, right. i don't like my nose but that's different <laughs> yeah. than what you're talking about so how does so i guess how do you draw the line between you know someone going eh i don't like my you know i don't like my nose so i'm going to get a nose job to you. i don't feel comfortable in my go own looking, skin go looking like lord Voldemort and stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but, yeah, so basically, I mean, just for like a personal story, um, mm-hmm. I remember when my boobs started coming in, okay. and my mom was like, "You need to get a bra," and I, I cried about it. Like, I, I couldn't believe that these, like, it was happening. You know, like I knew it was going to happen, even though I was a late bloomer and like all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so it was like this. I hate that this is here. I, I, I don't envision myself like this. I, you know, I used to draw myself as a dude with a beard, and um, like when I would do self-portraits, and I definitely never had a big chest. Like I had like a big muscular chest, yeah, but not like mm-hmm. chest, you know? <laughs> yeah. So um, it, it definitely like I I know to I mean I. This is probably, I don't know how far, like, I don't, uh, I'll say it and if you need to cut it out, you can't, but, okay. uh, <laughs> but like, I mean, for a lot of trans guys too, they don't, they don't feel anything when their partner goes down on them or, or tries to stimulate that part of their body because they don't identify with it. They don't connect with it. It's, it is like, it is often like a psychological, like, um, I don't, like don't touch me there. I don't. I don't like it. I don't identify with it. It. It doesn't feel like it's even a part of me. It's like some alien thing that like shouldn't be a part of my body. Um, and uh, so like that. Like I, I know uh, for a lot of people yeah, in in sexual relationships, like they they can't have an orgasm because of some sort of like psychological blockage, and that's the same thing with. Um, like um, body dysphoria um, you you just don't connect in a way that you can even have an orgasm or mm-hmm. or feel anything okay all right okay <laughs> no and, and, and no it makes sense because even when you because even thinking about you know victims of trauma and and victims of rape you kind of it's that same thing where they may be in a romantic sensual relationship or a sexual relationship and there may be a thing where they may experience a little bit of pleasure but then with that is also a flooding of pain so they kind of push away or they're not very intimate because of you know because of experience they've had in the past so even if you don't identify with a if you don't identify with the part so even during um even during moments of sex you know that can be very uncomfortable as well if it's like well hey don't don't go there or don't touch this because i don't connect with it right like, yeah okay. it's it's not supposed to be there like why is it there <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's sort of like that <laughs> okay yeah good good so when we look at so let's talk about a little bit about your social life you know you talked a little bit about you know kind of your journey and you've even talked about things from you know being married to being at a Christian college to even interactions with your parents. So from a social, so tell me a little bit about your social life. How does, you know, even like where you were at now and within your community where you're living, like how do most people 
view you? Um, so <laughs> it, that's kind of a complex thing because mm-hmm. at, at, at one time, like at both times, it's um, it's harder yet better, like so much better. But though, mm-hmm. it, though it's harder and it's it's more like exhausting and it's more difficult and almost like anxiety inducing um, than than social life before mm-hmm. but it is better like because I feel healthier and I know that I'm healthier and my relationships are healthier because I'm able to be honest with them so okay it is like anxiety or fear inducing when you don't know how they're going to react to it. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah yeah and that and that makes sense because if you think about even when people use the term being in the closet and then being out of the closet, you kind of get to that point where you're like, yeah, you know, this is, you know, I feel a lot better because I no longer feel like I'm kind of wearing a mask anymore. Right. I can be who I am. Um, right. So, yeah, so kind of, and there's one point where in your story you mentioned the grieving process of like your family and friends through this whole transition. So kind of, talk a little bit about just you know those relations those previous relationships you've had and how is that changing because of sure. you 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 basically embracing your identity yeah um uh or if you don't want to answer that question you could say no, no i'm not I, answering that i no i i think that it's it's helpful for people who here that's why i think that it's important to tell stories even when they're harder um but it it has been really difficult with my family um which is to be expected um like i said they they're going through a process of grieving their daughter or their sister um that they they thought that they had um which they you know they had a sibling and that, that that doesn't change um and if anything, like I want to be closer to them because I'm able to, I can be honest with them now instead of kind of pushing them away because of uh, a fear that they might find out or or something, you know. Um, but uh, it it's definitely changed in that it feels more like um, it almost some some things feel more surface level uh, mm-hmm. when. Um, trying to connect or talk to, to different people that were really close to me or really special to me it's like uh, a wall comes up and they're willing to talk to me for you know maybe five minutes and then it's yeah i don't know how to talk to you anymore <laughs> you know uh, and uh and i think too a lot of people are scared that they're going to mess up pronouns but for me like I'm honestly the easiest person to mess up pronouns or mess up whatever with because I understand that it takes time. I, I get that it's, it's hard. It, I get that it's not, you know, when you meet somebody as Becca, that's a she, then that's it's hard to make a transition in your brain, especially when you've known that person for so long. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to be like, upset at you for making a mistake you know so talk to me make mistakes you know like we're all in this together you know we're all doing this stuff together we're all growing and going on this journey together and mm-hmm. if you, if people are willing to be um so it's i guess like um the only time that i'm upset is when people purposefully use the wrong pronouns and still call me becca even though i've been back i haven't even gone by becca since like uh like 2012 you know okay so it's like uh, why are you still calling me that (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like i was very you know like no i changed my name a long time ago you know um but um yeah i I guess it's i think it's the willing i think so much of it just comes from being I don't know. I think that we all need to learn how to be gracious with each other and um, kind with each other and willing to hear other people and uh, and, uh, and and be patient. I think that that's really important. Um, okay. All right. But, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no. And, 
and and you talk a little bit about um you know you talk about interactions with other people and i know we talked a little bit more about the grieving process with your parents but i think there is i think i read something where i think it was like when you're back in florida where you went to school and you were just hanging out and then you're or i think it was if i remember the story all right you're going to meet somebody but as you were going to that place there's a couple people who you've had some not favorable runs <laughs> with and so so tell me a little bit about that about you know running yeah. with people who are within the church or even within like you know because you went yeah. to a christian college so tell me <laughs> a little bit three. about you went to three so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i mean that that experience was i was a part of a, a house uh, it was it was like a house church at first they didn't have a, a space so they were all just gathering in a house um, and I was getting really close with everybody, and they, they were the church that told me to embrace my femininity mm-hmm. um, because apparently there were other queer people at that 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 church that were apparently uh, healed by embracing whatever gender norms mm-hmm. that they were born into. So I tried that, <laughs> and uh, and then I tried that for like a year or so, um, and then I I. When I was going to a school in Florida, I wrote a paper about the on the seven club passages on homosexuality. Um, and I, after the research and everything, I came to that was that was kind of like my first moment of knowing for sure that I was affirming, and that was the last time that I ever looked back or or ever questioned it again, like mm-hmm. whether or not I, I believed that it was right or wrong or blah blah blah, whatever. Um, and that. And so then I was I was really public about that uh, that I was affirming and 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 whatever. And then one of the pastors from there just kept commenting on my stuff and picking fights and being super pastoral mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and uh, like sending me really horrible messages and uh, whatever. So then um, so then the story that you're talking about was I was. I was back back in Florida visiting, and I was walking to one of my favorite spots, and they were sitting outside, eating and talking, and my like blood rushed to my head, my heart dropped, like I felt really sick, and I just like involuntarily spun around, like mm. I'm walking away, I can't go past them, and it was it was like, and it was the first time that I think that I I I acknowledged spiritual trauma in my life. Um, and um, and then I think after that I was able to kind of put my finger on more things uh, that I, that have that I've been able to heal from um, mm-hmm. because I point them out and uh, you know like different experiences with people talking about my tattoos in the church and you know like mm-hmm. you know, just like a bunch of different stuff and being able to heal from from those things by putting my finger on it and saying this is spiritual trauma. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that was that's that story. I can't remember where we were going. <laughs> oh no, that I was just well, and, and, and I think yeah. we, that would be a good segue to kind of talk about spirituality as a transgendered person because you know you mentioned you know how you did a paper on all the verses on homosexuality, and you know you look at verses and there's always and even sometimes there's people who will use verses and I'll go, okay, you know sometimes it's like well. I, I kind of get it, but at the same time, there's a part of okay. me that goes, well, I think you're also putting a little bit more interpretation into it than what needs to be there. So I guess okay. from a spiritual perspective, you know, how do you address when someone comes up to you and they start saying, well, hey, it says right here in the Bible about homosexuality. And even how, because you even talked a little bit about at the beginning, how like once you were able to accept your identity as being a trans a trans man, you know, you were able to kind of have that relationship or connect with God. So I'm so yeah. more fascinated in kind of hearing, you know, both sides of those uh, pendulums there. For sure. Um, well, I think, so when I was writing the paper, I guess we'll start chronologically. Um, <laughs> when I was writing the paper um, and I was doing uh, different like soci- sociocultural context studies, on okay. the passages, mm-hmm. uh, that changed a lot for me, and because, um, you know, like Tower of Babel, like 
or, uh, sorry, at Babel. Why am I? Now I'm just brain farting. Sodom and, Gom- Sodom Sodom and, and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, <laughs> so Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because of homosexuality. Um, there are so like there are so many other social cultural like explanations based on that time and period that. It, that it's just like how do you even come to that conclusion if you are actually willing to look further into background like different different just like every single verse has so much like soci- socio-cultural um, influence that that um, that from there I I was just like so if like every, everything in the Bible is based on a certain time it's based on a certain um, culture. It's based on a certain, um, like it's based on one person's perspective. You know, like all of these, <laughs> all of these things, and and that's kind of when I just started. I started looking at things less as like um, this is what the Bible says, but more in um, what did Jesus teach and and what is sin, and. Hmm. Uh, so in asking the question, what is sin, um, sin is, most people would say, that's, I don't know if you saw that post, I, I posted on Facebook a while ago, like, what is sin? Like, I want to know your opinions. And most people said it's like the separation from God. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, whatever. And so, or I like, think I think I might have commented on that one. Yeah. That's starting to ring some bells. I don't remember right. what I wrote, but I think I commented on that. Right, yeah. It's So, like, basically everyone was in agreement that it was whatever causes separation from you and God, essentially. Like, basically a very, that, like, out of, that's, like, kind of everybody's thoughts kind of coming together. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's essentially what, you know. Um, and so, so... That's like kind of that's kind of my point. Like, you know, like if it's something that separates us from God, then my my sexuality is not what's separating me from God. My sexuality is not my sin. My sexuality is, uh, or my sexual orientation, or my gender, or whatever. That's not what's separating me from God. It's um, my pride. It's my uh, my selfishness. It's my um, it's every time that I treat my wife poorly. It's every time that, um, you, you know, like any time that I am looking less and less like Jesus and less like love. Um, and so for me, um, seeing like my, my transness has nothing to do with, like it is not, it is, it has nothing it, it like it does not uh, correlate at all. Like it, it just doesn't connect with sin at all uh, for me, um, because I am closer now. Like I feel a connectedness that I wasn't able to feel by being uh, by trying to be something that I wasn't, uh, basically. Um, okay. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> So I guess, okay, so I guess how do you deal, I guess how do you deal with those who are so adamant in kind of pointing out homosexuality as your sin, I guess? How do you, how do you handle that? Um, basically, I honestly, I honestly don't really even try to fight anymore because, Mm. um, because it hurts a lot to fight mm-hmm. anymore. Um, it hurts to have the conversation, I think, um, mm-hmm. because there's not really much that I can do to change their mind mm-hmm. other, other than love really, really, really hard and really well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So for me, I like, I don't know when I left when I left the when I left the college the last college that I was going to I like I was like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend all my time studying this anymore you know like I just like I'm going to read and I'm going to learn and I'm going to be open but I'm not going to try to you know like know know everything anymore 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know as I know and learn as I learn and and grow as I grow and be like be in pursuit of it, but not like that's my focus. Like I need to be right. I need to know everything so that I can be right. And uh, I just I wanted to start focusing on looking like Jesus, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And learning how to love people and forgive people and be gracious with people and understand what that people don't understand mm-hmm. um, and that I don't understand that they don't understand so you know <laughs> no we're all there so yeah. uh, so that's kind of that's that is that's how I deal with it now I used to get really frustrated and like uh, like going to things swinging basically like because I had to protect myself I, I spent so many years feeling like I had to protect myself and I mm-hmm. and that's that's exhausting you know so mm-hmm. I just yeah. I, I want to go into things with open hands instead of clenched fists now um, so that's that's kind of <laughs> yeah that's not the answer you were looking for but no <laughs> no everything you're saying everything you're saying everything you're saying is good don't worry about that um <laughs> So I guess I guess kind of my follow up to that is let's say there's somebody who's really let's just say they're not necessarily open to, you know, your point of view and may not even be open to the whole LBGT community. But they're in that thing where they're trying to understand Uh, what what would be your advice, especially from a spiritual perspective? What would you be your advice to them? I would definitely. I I would give them some resources. Oh, mm-hmm. no. uh, sorry, just a second. <laughs> All right. Um, so there, there's like, there are different resources. I mean, I would, I would definitely suggest to them to not stick with what they know, uh, not stick with artists that, or like artists, authors that they know. Um, go with somebody else, somebody that they might think is a little too liberal for them, or um, because if you, honestly, like if you're trying to learn or you're trying to understand better, you're probably not going to learn very much from somebody who thinks exactly like you. Um, so, because um, like, like I said, like I, I would love to be able to uh, you know, like talk, talk theology and talk all of it um, but like I said, it has gotten so exhausting for me um, that I, I am like, here's this book or here's this resource, and if you're willing to read it, I'll, I'll even buy it for you, you know. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of that's kind of like I don't know. Um, I just have gotten really tired. Um, mm. It it is it, it's really exhausting to be a part of a community that has so often disowned you and um, mm. disenfranchised you um, and still and still like fight to be a part of it um, yeah. and so I guess that's it's definitely not, not very not very informative or helpful um, but I think that 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 the main thing for people uh, to be able to learn and to be able to grow is to do their own sourcing and uh, or not their own sourcing but like you know, if they're trying to learn from somebody or learn something new, then take advice from somebody who doesn't completely agree with you on uh, like a book that they found to be very helpful on the subject or or something like that. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, since you since you mentioned resources, what are some I guess what are some books or what are some resources that you know can help someone get started in trying to understand a little bit better? Sure. Um, uh, Bible Gender Sexuality um, by Dr. Brownson, I think. I don't remember his first name. Uh, he talks a lot about uh, sexuality within scripture um, and and talks, yeah, it's it's just a really good book. It's, it's just a lot about uh, like um, sociocultural sexuality norms within the Bible, um, basically. Um, then um, there's love as an orientation, which that's a really that's a really good basic starter. Um, it doesn't have a lot uh, of information about the trans community, but it does have a lot of kind of like queer theology, I guess, or like queer human hermeneutic. 
Okay. So, it, but it's a very basic start. Um, and then if you wanted to do something with more like trans, uh, like a trans, a, a very specifically transgender hermeneutic, um, I would go with uh, Transforming by Austin Hartke. It's so good. I just finished it. It's I cried like the whole way through. <laughs> um, but yeah, that one's definitely super informative, and he writes it um, for like basically for people who don't know anything about um, like uh, non 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 binary um, life, I guess. <laughs> mhm. So okay, good. Good, good, good. All yeah. right. Well, well, Beck, thank you so much for this interview. I've had a yeah. wonderful time. Hopefully you felt the same way. Oh, yeah. It was fun. <laughs> good. All right. And again, um, I will I will get – and for those of you who are listening, I'll go ahead and I'll put those resources on my notes from the show part on my website. Um, again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Scott Stebbins podcast. Um I really appreciate your listens. If you like this podcast, feel free to give us a five-star review on anywhere you get your podcast from, Apple Store, uh, Google Play, um, wherever you're listening to us from here. All right. And um, is there any final words you'd like to say, Beck, before we uh, head on out? I would say uh, hear people, uh, love people, uh, forget about the, um, the whole, like, agree to disagree like disagree with people in love <laughs> uh, all right. yeah i don't know just love all people right. okay just love them i just love them all right <laughs> all right well guys thank you so much for listening to the scott Simmons podcast and uh, hopefully i'll have a new podcast or a facebook live video up soon all right thank you guys so much for listening bye but god is good god is good he loves Communists and lesbians and people.